Welcome to the Johns Hopkins University Press Podcast. I'm Mary Alice Yeske with the JHU Press Journals Division. Joining us today is Paige Gray to talk about her work researching the Defender Junior, a children's section of the Chicago Defender newspaper that flourished in the 1920s. Paige is a professor of liberal arts and writing at the Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta. She approaches the study of children's and young adult literature as a means to explore questions of voice, agency, and creative expression. She is the author of Cub Reporters, American Children's Literature and Journalism in the Golden Age from SUNY Press. Before returning to graduate school for her PhD, Paige was a newspaper reporter and editor. Thank you so much for joining us, Paige. I was just hoping you could give our listeners um, a, a little history lesson on the Chicago Defender and the Defender Junior and what an incredible impact it had on African-American children in the early 20th century, what it was, how it came to be, and, and especially for folks like myself who did not know this existed until I read your fascinating piece, mm-hmm. um, just kind of the, the abstract version of what the paper was and what it, and what, what it meant. And I want to say too, I want to say too that there have been many scholars from many disciplines that have written about the Chicago Defender, and they've done some great work. Um, and so, you know, I am not I am not um, treading new ground there. Um, but I knew about the Defender um, when, from when I uh, was in Chicago. I did my master's in journalism in Chicago, and I lived in the South Loop. Um, um, but I remember in my building, there's always the, the weekly defender. So I, you know, I knew, I knew what the defender was. And, um, at that point it was still printing its, um, its weekly paper. It's now ceased print publication, but it still has its online, um, arm. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was a hugely influential paper, um, beginning life in the early 1900s, the early 20th century and really started, um, as kind of proudly, like this is, is going to be, they, at the time they called it a race paper. They, that was the term. And then basically this is to promote and kind of tell it like it is. And it was, you know, it, it was a vehicle for social justice and proudly so, whereas you wouldn't today, m- many kind of standard journalism outlets, presses wouldn't necessarily want to think of themselves as social justice paper. Some do, some see that as part of journalism. Some, um, you know, do not want to kind of feel like that they're leaning one way or the other, but, but the Chicago Defender was, was to promote and uplift um, African-Americans. And what happened with the Chicago Defender, again, it was a weekly, and what many uh, African-Americans were moving into industrial cities in the North, um, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, uh, and they would either, you know, um, read the paper and kind of tell relatives in the South or um, recommend um, that, that their relatives subscribe to the Defender. So, mid, so the Defender was circulated in, all over. It was not just Chicago. Um, so if, you know, I found letters from kids in Wyoming, all these play, crazy places, not crazy, but- um, Not just Chicago. Not Chicago, and, play, and maybe that you wouldn't expect. Many, many a, a scholar suggests that the Chicago Defender and other black weeklies helped spur the great migration. When we have this massive um, gradual move of black Americans from the Southern states to Northern um, kind of um, industry, industrial cities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that I mean, that's, you know, the, 
was like first four or five decades. I mean, it was the the defender was was huge, and and again, it's like its legacy continues. Um, it's still an you know an online entity, but uh, it you know huge impact <laughs> um, in, in terms of the course of um, not only of course African American lives, but then how they you know how they changed you know this the cities of, of these um, industrial centers. Mm-hmm. What was the Defender Junior and how did, how was that um, different from any other sort of children's insert or page that papers in that time were, were, were doing? I'd come across several different children's sections. There's lots of um, fun to be had looking at the St. Nicholas periodical. There are many periodicals for children mm-hmm. at, at this time. Just like, I'm sure you, do you remember highlights? Oh yeah. yeah my, like, my, my children currently still get highlights. No, it's still... <laughs> They still have it. I just remember like them like a dentist office. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And so back in, you know, the 18, you know, 1870s, 80s, they had, you know, St. Nicholas and I mean, they had several different kinds of youth periodicals. Right. Aimed at white children. Um, And and so I was thinking there has to be some, you know, is is there something for African-Americans? And then the Brownies book had been, there's been lots of great um, writing on the Brownies book mm-hmm. um, from Michelle Martin to Catherine um, uh, Capshaw, like they've written great things. Um, and so I knew about the Brownies book. And so I was like, I don't want to write with the Brownies. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to look at it, but I knew, uh, I didn't know if I had anything more to offer on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought there had to be some something else. And the thing about the Brownies book too, is that even though it's hugely influential, it wasn't necessarily widely accessible because often the people reading the Brownies book were the sons and daughters of members of the NAACP. So a a distinct class of black Americans, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was influential. And and so I was curious to, and I just kind of was like batting off ideas and I kind of just um, wondered like, well, there has to be some kind of ki- kids being addressed in, in these newspapers. Cause I knew, cause I knew about the Chicago Defender. And so I kind of just started looking through, thank goodness we have, you know, digitized historical newspapers. And there's a great resource, um, through ProQuest about historical black papers. And I just kind of started doing some searching and I kind of just found Bud Billiken. Bud Billiken is the um, kind of mascot of the Chicago Defender Junior. Um, I went through, and this is not necessarily sexy work. Um, This is like a lot of like opening, you know, looking at PDS and like scrolling and you become very familiar because you, I've learned to kind of mistrust word searches sometimes, mm. or I'm maybe I'm just um, um, kind of superstitious. Like I'm just scared, like it won't find, like something won't be, or you know, found in the old print. And so I kind of like I will go through the weeks and just and you kind of learn um, the like setup and like okay, week six every week it's gonna be the sports report. Or you, like I figure things out, and so I kind of just started looking and in trying to pin down things. And I kind of stumbled onto the Defender Junior, right? This is a space for these kids to kind of come together, but they are also creating it themselves mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. through letters, right? It, and, and the encouragement and 
sense of, of agency that they could find in submitting to this. And even that they were, um, they could become a member. That was their, you know, they had to kind of fill out this, this little thing that said their name and send it in. And it wasn't, you know, anything super official, I don't think, but, um, but that as a kid, that's so important. I can even remember similar things when I was a kid, you know, if you could see your name in, in print, but that for an African-American child in, you know, 1922, there's a, there's a much greater weight, I think, associated with having your name in print when you think of the history of, of African-Americans and, you know, not given the right to read, like they are stri stripped of that privilege to read and they're, you know, it's for, it's outlawed. And so, so much of their history and their family records are not, were not recorded. And so there's an extra power to having that, your name in print and having that legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And so to even to, to see your name in this paper, like that was probably the, the most amazing thing. Yeah, that was, I mean, really reading your paper, that was what I was most taken with was I remember that feeling as a kid, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a kid growing up in suburban Maryland in the mm -hmm. 1980s, that was a thrill to me. Do you know what I mean? To see your name on a piece of mail or, or just in, in anything. And so yeah. to have someone in that time, in that place, in those circumstances, it must've just been so powerful. And also just, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about reading that reading about how all of the submissions to the Defender Junior were um, provided by their readers, you know, the, the mm -hmm. children and the young readers sent in all the poems and sent in all the thoughts and ideas. Do you, since you, you know, you just mentioned you were, you were kind of knee deep in the original source and reading it as far back as you, mm -hmm. could, did you get a sense that there was almost a serial nature to it? Did they answer each other or was it more, was there a conversation going on? Yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes you see repeat senders. Oh, like, nice. Or someone, you didn't answer me. And they would often address Bud, a child editor. And he was kind of named Bud and he was a real kid. His name was Willard Motley. Um, and so a lot of times the, the kids would say hey bud and you know everything was kind of addressed to bud um and and occasionally there were several like uh, several names i came to know through through reading it several times um and and kids you know very young kids and some so young you wonder if maybe the parents wrote it because it's like and, and and i wouldn't doubt that right i think it we all know the parents get really excited about seeing their kids name in the sports center something something's never changed <laughs> yeah and so i wonder if there was some of that happening um is and i I don't think this was specific to, um, to the defender, but there were notes of parties and, and addresses. And so, hi, my name is such and such, and I will be, will be giving a party or such and such gave a birthday party at this address in Chicago. And, and I thought that was fascinating, like listing the addresses and almost like essentially inviting people to come. And I think now like people like that'd be, we would never do that now, but, um, and so I think for a lot of kids, it became a way of, again, building community and kind of making contacts out, even outside the newspaper. Um, mm -hmm. Again, if they were in the Chicago area, um, oftentimes you saw kids that said they are very lonely. Mm -hmm. There are lots of letters. I am very lonely. Can you please write me at this address? Oh, wow. Um, and, it and it fostered those pen pal relationships? I hope so. I, th I think for some it did. Um, yeah. It would be interesting to see if... if um... If some, I mean, someone somewhere has got to have a stack of letters, you know, squirreled away that might've been yeah. a result of this. Wouldn't that be magical to find yeah. something like that? I was doing some further research into to some newspapers um, to see new, I was trying to find 
news of the defender or people remembering the defender junior and later uh, issues of the of the defender and um, one of one of the writers for the defender was looking back and she remembered being a kid and what was most exciting was was getting the defender every Saturday when the defender would come they looked forward to seeing Bud and what Bud said and having their name in in like in, that was what they looked forward to because kid I mean kids got excited just for the defender in general but then they really got excited for, you know, seeing if their name was going to be in, in, in the section that week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's gotta be, I, I, I think about, well, especially now, now being now in the now mm. times, but I just think about communication and, and kids and social media and, and the detachment um, that we're all kind of feeling right now. And in a weird, the weird parallels in terms of like, because in a strange way we're, we're, we're isolated in, in, in our own odd you know, 2021 kind of way, but that, that, that thrill of, of getting a piece of mail or, or having something addressed really directly to you is so rare. Yeah. It, I mean, in some ways we, we, there's so many parallels when we get to that with social media, mm -hmm. but on, in some ways it's, um, it's just a different way to experience things. And mm -hmm. I think the one thing that changed from when we got our information or communication from newspapers is, opening up the newspaper and looking through and kind of being your for that is what you had to look at. And you kind of at least had some exposure to some other parts of the newspaper mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. with social media, it's, it's, it's much more curated. Oh yeah. I was going to say just fleeting. I mean, the not, yeah, the newspaper is also just a tangible thing. Mm -hmm. And the, ne the next day you can pick up and read it again and be thrilled at seeing your name again. You know, it's not just like click a heart button and then it's over and it's, it's gone. It's, it's tangible. Um, and it's, again, it's, it's hard because now we have a kind of democratization of media and everyone can kind of make their own newspaper online. Like we can all exactly. have And, and so that's great. So we have there, I mean, I wonder with, with some kids, if, if the idea of, you know, I can always see myself in media, but I still do think it be, the permanency and the kind of, again, I know for better and for worse, the legitimacy, because in some ways, when you have, you know, a newspaper and it's making its choices, who is it leaving at? Like, there's always that kind of, that problem. Um, but, but you kind of trust it or, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, there's a value, there's a value placed on it. That's, and, that's and I do think it's a little bit different than, um, you know, the Chicago Defender, even though it was a weekly and it was mailed everywhere, it was still very much small in terms of the community, you know, community trusting and going to it. Mm -hmm. um, so having that small town local feel, even though it was a paper that was circulated around the country. When, when did the Defender Junior segment stop? Uh, this is a tricky question. And this is one I've tried to figure. I haven't had a successful kind of pinpointing a date exactly and looking, because what happens, it, it didn't necessarily stop. It would maybe, it, it kind of, flowed into something different mm. and that kind of from what I can and again um from what I could find in doing my research um it kind of transitioned into more what we understand now when you pick up a paper and you have like your high school section right mm -hmm. it kind of turned more into that and kind of like the bud figure fell away and kind of the children's letters and it became more of a kind of space for these are children's events happening at school so when you have more mm -hmm. more regularity and and things happening with the schools I think it kind of became less I don't 
maybe less necessary a little bit. I, mm. I, I don't, I'm not sure like that word necessary, but it, it, it lost its popularity mm-hmm. um, or it, whatever the role it was filling for many children's lives it, mm-hmm. it, in the 1920s and 30s, it, other things I think supplanted it. Resources became more, yes. readi- more readily available. Yes. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it sounds the way you described it too, it almost sounds like it just grew up a little bit. You know yeah. I mean? and, and what, what the one thing that did last was the Bud Billiken Parade. Oh, can you tell can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, yeah. So after the, the, the section had been around for a little bit, it started to wane in popularity. And as publishers do, and when you have any kind of newspaper or media organization, you have a great marketing team. And you know, marketing, you know, that wasn't a term that was used then, but they had they were like, how can we kind of rev up the section again? And they decided to have a, a, this parade, the Bud Billiken Parade and it started back in the day and it was called Bud Bill Compare. It is still around in Chicago. Um, it's that was been- the part that just blew my mind reading yeah. the paper. That, it, that this still, that's literally last year was the first year it didn't happen. And that was just because of the pandemic. Yeah. And it's a huge thing in, in the black community and in, in Chicago in general. Um, and different years have different kind of grand marshals. You know, when I was kind of doing the research, you know, Shaka Khan had recently been a, a performer yeah so it's it's a big deal there and and um still a, you know a huge part of, of the community so that that's that, such a that's such a fantastic legacy yeah that's so. just the coolest I, I hope to i hope to bake it to chicago to see it someday mm-hmm. <laughs> um can you tell us about your book and what you're working on now and sort of what yeah. your, your next steps are research-wise uh, um so the book or in, in this chapter about um the chicago defender jr uh, is part of the my larger, you know, dissertation that was changed to a book. It's called Cub Reporters, and uh, it was published uh, in 2019 with SUNY Press, and it's now in paperback, so you can get it there. But uh, it's it's kind of just different explorations or my explorations into the intersections between journalism and children's literature, and you know, I, to kind of not get too academic-y, um, but I, you know, I was just asking myself I'm like an existential question when I, when I changed or I left um, newspaper world to go back to, to school, why am I so interested in children's literature and why am I so interested in, in journalism and newspapers? And those are kind of like the basic questions I started asking myself and I just started exploring that through my different grad classes and in projects and um, kind of looking at the way uh, examinations of newspaper newspaper culture can empower child readers in that it kind of shows that even even the newspaper is a work of art that we we help construct mm-hmm. and kind of looking at that idea of of how we um, we as adults and as children have agency to kind of you know construct reality and that, I was using my my academic term that I used in in my book that I don't want to get too you know academic but it, I, the idea of artifice and kind of reclaiming the idea of artifice mm-hmm. um, and, and naturalizing the idea of artifice to an extent. Yeah. I mean, reading your paper, I was, I was really struck by that. And I think that's the whole, the whole hook for me uh, reading about the Defender Jr. was just that, that sense of 
creation and agency and just the fact that it was, you know, and I mentioned this in in my communication with you. I don't, I don't, I'm dating myself, but there was a show called zoom on PBS, which ended up being, it ended up being redone later, but in the seventies, it was like a a new thing. And um, when I was reading about the defender junior, I was like, this sounds like zoom because it was the Mm -hmm. same thing. The kids would write in, they gave you the address at the end of the show. And all the segments were, you know, written in by the kids. And I remember as a kid, just thinking like, to get your story selected for Zoom would be the greatest day in the history of your life. You know what yeah, I mean? Or, and it's that same feeling of excitement that you're creating this, you're doing it. Yeah. And I really wanted to be one of those kids on Reading Rainbow. Yes. Like the, and, and, I, and I think this like that kind of idea also, you know, I remember being the kid in elementary school. I wanted to start a newspaper and tried to get my friends in second grade and I'd assign them stories. They would never do them. So what I, I, I would make my own newspaper, which in making my own newspaper was getting like blank paper and kind of drawing lines that I thought looked like newspaper lines and writing a story about save the whales or like drawing a picture and then going to school and getting copies on the copy machine. Like, but, nice. but that, yeah, I'm creating something. Right. Uh, and that I can kind of contribute to that. I think that really fascinated me again. Yeah. It, all, all research is personal. Um, and, and so the idea of how do, how do children and young people become a part of that? How can mm-hmm. they how can they get a sense of agency in a world when when again children have a very limited reign of you know your parents have to drop you off or your parents have to tell you when like all that. So how can kids find their own voice in mm-hmm. their own you know, Yeah and just I mean I just I imagine what that must have felt like in, you know, in that day and age when mm-hmm. your 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 information was so limited and to suddenly have your your worldview cracked open and yeah. realized that there's people just like you or people sort of like you, but different. Like you mentioned in your paper, there were people from, you know, children from the country and children, wealthy children in boarding yeah. schools and children on farms talking about the chickens that they killed. And it's like all of that stuff. It just reminds me of that feeling you get when you, when you find, you know, someone that is into the same thing you are as a young yeah. kid, there's just a, there's sort of a manic excitement about it. And that was the feeling I got reading about that. Yeah. And, and really, showing the plurality of childhood experience, right? Mm-hmm. There are kids, there's not, there are so many ways for a kid to be in the world. There's so many ways for a black kid to be in the world, right? It's exactly, there are kids in, again, there's a kid in Wyoming, there's a kid, there is a girl from France, you know, all over and, you know, right. urban, um, you had, I remember one of the, the letters I really love is from a girl who's running from Tuskegee and, and she kind of, she's, um, lives outside the college and would see the, the marching band, right? Just all these kinds of stories. Um, and there's no one, one way. And I think, right. all, and even as adults, we get into this trap of there's one way to be, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of, I'm always just trying to, to, to break that idea and that we have some ability to, and again, we, we have agency, but it's, it's, it's limited, right? It's, it's in mm-hmm. a, but what can we do in that, that sphere of, of possibility? I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. This was such a great conversation and we will post links to both your book and your paper so our listeners can check them both out. Thank you so much. This was really fun. This podcast is a production of Johns Hopkins University Press. For more information, please visit press.jhu.edu journals.